eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yelton, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast. Welcome. Welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome in. It is the Utopia Football Podcast live from Las Vegas, Nevada, Super Bowl 58. I am here, uh, not on Radio Row right now. If you're watching on the video stream, you can see I'm in my tricked out hotel room at the link with crazy wall decor behind me right here. I have no idea what that is. Looks like a dollar sign. Very ironic considering my gambling luck that there's a dollar sign on the wall, probably representing all the dollars that I've donated to uh to the link it's actually been okay since i got here gambling wise but um here live in las vegas on radio row as you guys know if you listen to pain and pendergast 6 to 10 a.m uh, every weekday we're out here 4 a.m to 8 a.m local time so that's been a, a big switch but um i would say so far as your eyes and ears out here in vegas and your feet on the ground uh so far so good las vegas has done a pretty good job hosting us here things seem pretty well organized it is only tuesday and this is a city that's just a month removed from one of the most maligned events in the history of a city's sporting history, that Grand Prix race, the Formula One race that they had here, where you saw the images of empty hotels and angry Uber drivers and things like that. Um, so that's been a nice topic of conversation. It's something to get, you get into a, an Uber and you say, hey, how was that whole event where nobody wanted to use Ubers and you didn't make any money? Probably not too good for my Uber score, my passenger score, but I find it to be an interesting topic. So um, at any rate, Vegas has done a pretty good job taking care of us so far here. No big hot storylines with either of these two teams, I would say, other than Patrick Mahomes' dad got another DUI, and the San Francisco 49ers don't like the field that they're practicing on. That's where we are with storylines right now, which I'm okay with because these are, these are two really good football teams. The game should be able to stand on its own, and if it can't, it'll stand on the shoulders of Taylor Swift. So we've got that to look forward to as well. But things going well here in Vegas so far. Um, and uh, I would imagine Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, as more and more fans and media descend upon the town. Although I would say the media has done a pretty good job, go figure, of getting out to Vegas nice and early for this thing so they can expense the whole thing all week long. Um, so if you haven't been following on Radio Row, you can um, 
I'll do a little cross promotion here. Um, you can watch uh, Payne and Pendergast on the Sports Radio 610 YouTube and Twitch streams. Um, big thanks to Yingling Flight uh, for pres- being our presenting sponsor out here um, in Las Vegas all week long. Big time for that. But uh, you can watch us on the YouTube and Twitch stream. And obviously, you can stream us on the Odyssey app if you just want the audio or listen to us on your uh, radios on the way into work. Um, so uh, obviously, this is the first solo episode that I've done since um, since John. Uh, since John McClain was let go from Odyssey, um, we're still kind of working on, we've got a lot of mailbag questions. We will do, we, me and you, the listener, because there is no we right now, um, except James Jackson, our producer. He's back there making sure everything's working. Um, but there will be a mailbag. We've got a lot of mailbag questions about the future of the podcast. We'll address that. There will be a podcast going forward. It's just a matter of what it's going to look and sound like. Um, so the good news is we've got plenty of stuff with the Super Bowl this week. With the awards coming up on Thursday, um, Andre Johnson's candidacy for the Hall of Fame. These are all things that you guys have been asking about in um, in mailbag uh, mailbag entries that we'll get to a little later on. So there will be a mailbag if you want to send a question in. It is still open for business. H-O-U-Mailbag at gmail.com. Um, so we'll get into that in just a little bit. As far as the Super Bowl goes, I'll give my prediction for the Super Bowl and maybe some prop bets on Thursday this week both football prop bets and Taylor Swift prop bets. Cause that's what the people want. You know, I got to broaden the scope of this thing and make sure that we're pulling in the, uh, the Swifty audience that that'll, that that'll be what takes us over the top. Um, but as far as angles go, as I, as I observe this as a Texan fan, this Super Bowl this week, um, I look at, I look at it through two lenses. The first one is looking at the Kansas city chiefs and the way that they've gone about, building their roster because I think if we're looking at the Texans and I think it's reasonable to look at the Texans this way, we look at the Texans and CJ Stroud being with Patrick Mahomes is CJ Stroud being in three years with Patrick Mahomes has become right now, which is one of, if not the best quarterbacks, more importantly for purposes of this conversation, one of the highest paid quarterbacks in all of football. Um, So if not the highest paid, I think CJ will be the highest paid player in the NFL at some point. Uh, around 2020, early 2026, after his third season in the league. Sometime during that period of the end of the season in 2025 and training camp in 2026, if C.J. Stroud keeps playing the way he is, he'll sign a contract somewhere north of $60 million a year. And at that point, that's when Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryans have to start looking at how they build their team moving forward. They're in a a very, very um, luxurious position right now because CJ's on his rookie contract and they've got a bunch of cap space. I don't think they have enough cap space to go insane and go crazy with a bunch of splurges and a bunch of luxury item buys, but they've certainly got room to, to make one or two big splashes in free agency. And they've got room to bring back the appropriate amount of guys they would like to bring back from this past season. And I think what we've seen from Nick Casario this year uh, is that he's pretty good at identifying maybe guys who are looking to get a one-year deal, um, a prove-it deal, Devin Singletary, Dalton Schultz, guys like that. Uh, Sheldon Rankins. Um, so we've seen that he's very, very good at that. So I think this free agency class or this offseason, I should say, with all that cap space and depending on where you go, it's anywhere from 60 to 70, 80 million in cap space, whatever it may be. They've got a chance to open up more by cutting a few guys if they want to. Um, I think it'll be a combination of probably a splurge or two um, and then some mid-level free agents and then bringing a few guys back. you got to set aside a little bit of money for the rookie class that you're about to draft, although not as much as you've had to in recent years because you're not picking as, as high and you only have one first round pick. So that helps. Um, so when I look at Kansas city, 
you're not going to be able to build the team the same way in a few years as you are right now. And so Kansas City's done a really good job of keeping their team in the Super Bowl hunt and doing it and really adapting as Mahomes has aged as both a player and a contract. And it's somewhere along the way they made the decision where we've got Patrick Mahomes, who we feel like can lead lead us regardless of what the ethos of the team is. When he first came into the league, they were built on offense. They were a track meet. They were basketball on turf. They were Tyreek Hill. They were peak Travis Kelsey. Um, they've adapted over time now to where they, they've completely flipped their defense around. They use a lot of their draft capital on young defensive players. And when they dip into free agency, they've tended to do it at positions where you're not paying 25, 30, 35 million a year, overpaying really, if you're bringing guys in from outside the organization. I'm much more inclined, and I think Nick Casario is much more inclined. If he's going to give 25, 30 million to guys, it's going to be guys that they've got a pretty good working knowledge of. That's good news for guys like Nico Collins, for example. So the Chiefs decided to draft heavily on defense. So you've got young, inexpensive players on defense. They've managed to hit on a lot of those picks. That helps. Um, and where they've invested in free agency, guard, Joe Tooney, safety, Justin Reed, positions like that, um, the, where you're not you – know, Drew Tranquil, bringing him in from the Chargers. Um, so I think if you're a Texan fan and you're watching this game and you're dispassionate about who's winning the game, aside from gambling on the game, if you're choosing to look at it, certainly look at guys who are going to become free agents on both of these teams. But I would look at Kansas City and go, okay, how did they build this thing to last? Because that's, I think, what the Texans are going to be looking at a similar dynamic in a few years. As far as looking at the other side and looking at San Francisco, I just look at it and I see all the fingerprints of D'Amico Ryans on there. That's just fun for me to watch, um, you know, and the way they've built their defense – um, built it up front, strong on the line. D'Amico said he wants to invest on the defensive line and then watching the offensive system just go to work. If you're watching San Francisco, I think what you're watching is what D'Amico Ryans has an idea of what he wants his team to look like schematically on both sides of the ball. So I think you've got a more, maybe a more present day, immediate look at what the Texans would like to be from an on-field product. And then I think if you're looking at Kansas City, you're looking at least at, at an example of how you build a team with a highly paid quarterback, but that's a more long-term view for the Texans. Maybe some of you just want to sit and eat chips and drink beer and watch the game. And that's cool too. Um, but if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably here for a little bit more than just recommendations on chips and dip. Although I do highly recommend any chip that scoops the salsa or the dip. It makes it much more convenient. So that's how I'm kind of looking at the angles for this Super Bowl through a Texans lens. Um, as far as picking the game itself, I'll do that on Thursday. That's my tease. You got to come back for the Thursday episode. I know a lot of you love John McClain. I would like it for you that, that you would still come here for me as well. Um, so that'll be on Thursday. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Let's get into some, some mailbag here. Um, as, we, uh, as we work closer to the Super Bowl, there's a lot of things to get into. I'm actually going to, I got a mailbag question from, um, oh, my apologies. Where is it here? From Rodney. I got a, a mailbag, e- an email, mailbag at gmail.com, by the way, from um, Rodney saying, um, Sean, I know you do a report card every year on the head coaching carousel uh, for the Houston Press. Um, is, have you done that yet? And will, could you do a report card here on Utopia? And I, I will. I'll bring the report card onto the podcast here if you haven't seen it yet. Um, so there were eight hires in this go-round here. Um, I, I think just in general, as far as the hiring cycle goes, um, first of all, it was nice for the Texans to not be in the mix for a head coach uh, for the first time in many, many years. Uh, that was just nice to be able to watch everybody else have to go get a head coach and for us to not have to worry about it for the first time since the 2020 offseason. We haven't had to worry about that. So that's been kind of cool. Um, and uh, and based on how D'Amico Ryan's first season went, I don't think they're going to be looking for a head coach for a long, long time because D'Amico lived up to the hype. So we love that as well. Um, as far as the eight teams in this hiring cycle um, that went after new coaches, I thought there were some intriguing hiring decisions made by the eight teams. I think most notably in a league where it seems like every offseason storyline is about trying to find the next big offensive head coach. Hey, which Kubiak Shanahan disciple are we going to go get? Um, I think it's interesting that there were five defensive oriented head coaches hired. You know, who knows? Maybe D'Amico Ryans is creating a bit of a trend there that teams can look at can can look at their head coaching situation. And go, you know what's even more important than somebody that can call a few ball plays or was coughed on by Kyle Shanahan or shared a bunk bed with Sean McVay or whatever. Remember when remember when being a Sean McVay disciple was the big thing? That's what got Brandon Staley hired. How did that work out? I think what teams are looking at now is, OK, let's just get if the guy's an offensive coach. Great. But we need a leader. We need a CEO. We need someone that people believe in. And that's what D'Amico Ryans was. Um, so I think it's interesting that five of the eight teams chose defensive guys as the dust settled. As far as the report card goes, I'll keep these quick. I'll bounce I'll bounce around these quick. There were eight hires. I'm just going to go in alphabetical order. And I'll start with the Titans and Brian Callahan. Um, he was a middle-of-the-pack candidate at the outset of the process. But reportedly, he blew the Titans away in the interview. The same way Mike Vrabel did like six years ago. Amy Adams Strunk is very easily sold to. That's the sense I get from her. Um, he didn't call plays in Cincinnati, Brian Callahan, as the OC. Zach Taylor did. I'm guessing he's going to be calling plays for his team in uh, Tennessee. Um, the one big bonus for Callahan, it looks like he's bringing his dad, Bill, a very respected offensive line coach in, which would be a huge boon to the Titans because their offensive line sucks. Malik Collins made their offensive line look like a bunch of eighth graders uh, in, I forget which game it was, week 15 or 17. The Texans played them twice. There was a point in the game where Malik Collins basically just used the guard and the center as like, he was like a, a, a first responder peeling open a revolve, like a, a sliding door with the electricity out, that kind of thing, like slipping his fingers in. He just like broke through like Skaronsky and whoever the center was. It was really embarrassing. Bill Callahan should help. My grade for the Brian Callahan hire, B minus. I give a B minus, solid B minus to the Titans for that hire. Um, next one, Dave Canales, the Carolina Panthers. 
uh, this was a horrible job opening. I think this was widely viewed as the worst job opening um, this offseason, mostly because Dave Tepper is a lunatic and just not an easy guy to work for. Frank Reich looked like he wanted to be anywhere other than coaching a football team like three weeks into the season last year. And 10 weeks in, he got his wish. Um, I think all things considered, how poorly this job was viewed in the offseason, I think Canales is a is a good hire. He was a quarterback's coach, for those who don't know, in Seattle when Geno Smith rehabilitated his career and got paid. Um, he was the OC in Tampa last year, overseeing the resurgence of Baker Mayfield. And Baker's going to get a nice contract, too. Um, so now it's Bryce Young's turn to go through the Canales car wash. I think all things considered, for any other team, Canales probably would have been like a B. I think for Carolina, it's an A minus. I think it's a really good hire for them. Um, all things considered, considering how toxic that job looks. So good job, Carolina. Um, next one, Jim Harbaugh. This was the best hire of the whole cycle. Harbaugh's had great success everywhere he's gone. Now, I know the last head coach that I wanted that I felt that way about was when the Texans were looking to hire somebody post Bill O'Brien. And I said, you should go get Urban Meyer. Jacksonville went and got Urban Meyer and we saw how that worked out. So my spidey sense isn't always the best on this stuff, but I do feel like Harbaugh actually, unlike Urban Meyer, had real success in the NFL, nearly winning a Super Bowl in San Francisco. He's got some unfinished business. I think that's an A. That's an A, if not an A plus for the Chargers. Maybe I'll eat my words, but I think that's a really good hire. He's got a quarterback in place already. Unlike in San Francisco, where he had to kind of rehabilitate Alex Smith, and then he flips over to Colin Kaepernick. And then by year four, Kaepernick, the league kind of started to figure him out a little bit. And then Harbaugh ejected to uh, Michigan. I think he's he's set up pretty good. That makes the AFC West super interesting, by the way. Andy Reid, Sean Payton, and Jim Harbaugh all playing each other twice a year is, is pretty damn cool. So that's good. Um, next one up, Mike McDonald, somebody who Jim Harbaugh knows very well. He was uh, Mike McDonald was the D.C. in Michigan before going and working for the other Harbaugh. John as the D.C. in Baltimore this past season had a really, really good defense. One of the best defenses in the league, as the Houston Texans learned twice. Um, and the Seahawks, I think, could use a jolt on the defensive side of the ball. So I think it makes a lot of sense. And um, he's now the leader in the clubhouse as the youngest head coach in the NFL. So good job, Mike McDonald, for not being old. Good job for only being 36 years old. Um, B plus. I give a B plus to the Seahawks for the Mike McDonald hire. All right, we're getting down to it here. We've got four in, four left. This is all for you, Rodney. This is the longest mailbag answer in the history of the Utopia mailbag, and you're witnessing it with your ears and eyes on the video stream right now as we speak. Um, Gerard Mayo, Patriots. Um, he's basically been earmarked as a future head coach for a few years now. I'm a little skeptical about him because Jack Easterby really, really liked him a lot. Um, but Jack Easter may, may have liked me a lot, too, so I don't know. I mean, he seemed to think I was okay, I guess, back in the day. I have no idea. Um, he was very friendly to me every time I met him, um, and I think I'm pretty good. So I guess maybe I shouldn't penalize Gerard Mayo for this. Um, he signed a new deal last offseason, Mayo did, that apparently with the Patriots, that apparently included language that he would be Bill Belichick's successor when the time came. Um, so because there were teams wanting to get their, their hands on Gerard Mayo, so they had to extend him. They actually made an announcement that they – had extended him. Teams never do that for position coaches. They did for him. So the time is here. It's the most intriguing hire to me by far. Um, I don't think it's the best one by far either, but it's intriguing because we have almost zero evidence of Mayo as a tactician, you know, as a strategist on a game day. He's never been elevated to even a coordinator level, although who knows? Belichick's job titles in New England were so murky 
and the job, you know, the job descriptions so murky that maybe he did some coordinator stuff, Mayo. So we'll see. I think it's a huge gamble, and it's based totally on Mayo's leadership and charisma. C plus. I think it's a very generous grade, a C plus for that one. Um, three more to go. Raheem Morris, Falcons. Everybody thought Belichick was getting this job. That's where Belichick was going to land. And I don't know what happened in Atlanta with Belichick, um, but one side got cold feet. Maybe both did. Um, so now Belichick's sitting on the sidelines this year. Somewhere along the way, uh, they decided we're going to move to – we're going to pivot to something different. So they pivot to actually a familiar face with Morris, who had a pretty solid interim stint with the Falcons after they fired Dan Quinn, whose name you're going to hear in a second as well. B-. minus. I'll give a B- minus to the hiring of Raheem Morris. Now we get down to the two who happen to have the worst grades of the two. I'll start with Antonio Pierce and the Raiders, who was previously their interim head coach. Did a nice job, 5-4 and four down the stretch replacing Josh McDaniels. The players seem super happy about that. So a really good end of the season. I'm always a little skeptical of promoting interim head coaches that come in off kind of a sugar high performance of a few games. I know nine games is a decent sample size. Um, I don't know what their fix is going to be for the quarterback position. They went five and four, kind of mucking through it with Garoppolo and Aiden O'Connell and and whatever. Um but they went eight and nine. So they're not really in a great position to go get a quarterback unless they sign one in free agency. So I, I'm just not a fan of promoting interim head coaches when the the main reason the the head coach before him got fired was because everybody hated him. You know, that's just I think there's this dead cat, sugar high performance type thing. C. I'm giving Antonio Pierce and that higher a C. Last one and the worst one of all. Um, this looked like the Washington deal, uh, the Dan Quinn to the commanders is what I'm talking about. Um, looked all but sealed that it was going to be Ben Johnson. And then, depending on who you listen to, Ben Johnson um, mysteriously uh, decided either to go back to Washington. Well, he definitely did decide to go back to, I'm sorry, to Detroit. But um, depending on who you listen to, either Ben Johnson didn't seem to like the owners in Washington. He thought they were basketball guys that thought pretty highly of their football opinions. And then there's the Washington sides putting – smoke out there that Ben Johnson didn't interview all that well. I think both things can be true. The bottom line is Ben Johnson's back in Detroit. Washington made a hire that their fan base finds completely underwhelming in Dan Quinn. And um, he was last seen coordinating a defense. They gave up 48 points to Green Bay in a playoff game. I know some of those points were a pick six. So I'll take that one off. My point stands. He was giving up 41 points to Green Bay in a playoff game. D, giving Dan Quinn a D. And I feel like that's a little high. So we'll see. Maybe he proves me wrong. I hear he's a hell of a dude. But uh, so there you go. There you go. That's my report card for the uh, head coaching hires this go round. All right, let's get into the mailbag. Again, HOU mailbag at gmail.com if you want to if you want to get in with any with any questions. I've got a handful of them here. We'll get to them. Some of them are asking about the podcast itself, which we will certainly get to a lot of you passing along notes and I'm going to forward these to John McClain, or at least convey them next time I talk to him that uh, you guys sent in a lot of nice notes to him. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll pass that along. Cause as you guys know, I always enjoy doing the podcast with John. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Um, all right, so let's get to a few mailbag questions. Chris in the ATL, frequent emailer to the show. Um, he said, your take on the Texans moving up a level in 2024 against better quarterbacks got me thinking. Those quarterbacks are also playing a more seasoned C.J. Stroud, who's shown he is clutch. Other than Mahomes, Allen, and maybe a revived Aaron Rodgers, I'm not sure I'm taking any of those other QBs over Stroud in a two-minute drill. And I think next year there will be a lot of close games due to the tougher schedule. Which 2024 scheduled opposing QBs are you picking over Stroud to win a final drive game? Okay. Um, I would take Stroud over any of the three quarterbacks in the division. Trevor Lawrence um, and whoever's starting in Tennessee and Indianapolis. I'm guessing it's Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, but who knows. (laughs) As far as the other games go, they cross over with the AFC East. Um, I think Stroud's right there with Josh Allen as far as like clutch situation. It's honestly, as I think through all of this, rather than going through all the teams, I think the only one that like Patrick Mahomes is the only one that I look at and go, man, probably a better, probably a maybe a higher clutch gene <laughs> than CJ Stroud. I know they play Lamar Jackson. Um, I in a two minute drill, I'd rather have CJ Stroud than Lamar Jackson. I'll listen to Josh Allen. I got to see Aaron Rodgers first before I, before I say that um, I would take Aaron Rodgers. I got to see what he looks like with this uh, with this Achilles. Sorry, scratchy throat from four hours of uh, four hours of radio and now a solo podcast. Um, but the, yeah, not you. You laid it out, Chris. I mean, he C.J. Stroud is right there, and if you watch C.J. Stroud at the Pro Bowl, man, it was wild watching guys gravitate towards him you know if you're a Texan fan I think you got to be really excited watching CJ Stroud in that Pro Bowl and see the way the guys really gravitated that throw to Jamar Chase um CJ Stroud D'Amico Ryans I think to a lesser extent Will Anderson huge selling points in free agency to guys coming here um Chris also says on a personal note all the best to John gonna miss his great sound bites on the radio my favorites well sorry that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard and then not gonna happen uh, Chris, we still have those hotkeys. John may not be with the station anymore, but I don't think he has any sort of licensing on his hotkeys. So we'll still play those in memoriam to John McClain, who is not dead, by the way. But um, we are we will memorialize his radio career at six ten from time to time via hotkey. I Jeremiah and Stafford. Um, I'll miss John. But I know he probably wouldn't be able to answer this question because he is sworn to secrecy. So, Sean, do you think Andre Johnson breaks through in the Hall of Fame this year? I actually do. And maybe I'm reading into things a little bit too much. But I know that John, 
when um when he was wrapping up with Odyssey, he wanted to finish up his last week Wednesday and Friday shows with me and Seth, and then the Friday obviously Wednesday and Friday with me and Seth, and then Friday with the afternoon guys. He wanted to write his final columns, and I also know John had mentioned like if Andre makes the Hall of Fame, he wants to be able to write that post as well. If Andre makes the Hall of Fame, so I know John couches it as if Andre makes the Hall of Fame. But I'm going to totally read into that, and this is totally my opinion, and I know nothing. I'm going to optimistically look at it through the prism of, okay, is this John's smoke signal? Is this the white smoke we've been waiting for that Andre Johnson is getting into the Hall of Fame? I'm choosing to believe that it is with no knowledge that it is. I think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I think he's better than Reggie Wayne. I think he's better than Torrey Holt. I think he's better than Steve Smith. I think he's better than any other wide receiver who's eligible to go into the Hall of Fame right now. And we know that sometimes these Hall of Fame things don't turn into who the five best players are. It turns into, okay, who are the no-brainers? And now what are three positions where we need to kind of get rid of this log jam that we've got here? And I think wide receiver is one of those positions where they've got a log jam right now. And I think it'd be a shame to alleviate the log jam by picking a lesser player just to get them in ahead of Andre Johnson. To me, you go in when you're supposed to go in. It shouldn't be one of these things where you're sitting with a number like you're at a deli waiting for somebody to slice your meat for you. Reggie Wayne should, when the ding happens, like, all right, who's up next? Reggie Wayne shouldn't be able to wave like number 32 while Andre Johnson's sitting there with number 33 in his hands, you know? Andre should get his sliced meat before Reggie Wayne gets his and his cheese and any other products he chooses to get at the deli. He's the best of these wide receivers. Just my opinion. All right, Joe Q, frequent, frequent emailer, long-form emailer to the podcast. Joe Q, just so you know, I'm sorry I can't read your emails in their entirety on here. I do read them in their entirety myself because they're very smart, um, but they're very long. But I'll, this one was good. I figured I could bring this one on. Um, when Bobby Slowick leaves, the Texans should not promote Gerard Johnson. This is what Joe is saying. Instead, they should find an OC who will never be a head coaching candidate, either because of age, Gary Kubiak, or because he face-planted in a previous stint as a head coach. And he mentions Anthony Lynn, Ben McAdoo, Todd Haley, ugh, Freddie Kitchens as examples, not specific recommendations. Okay, so you're just bringing up examples. In order to build long-term stability for CJ, uh, Joe's worry is that Gerard will have huge success with CJ and D'Amico and get poached after one or two years. And the disruption of an OC revolving door is more trouble than it's worth because it might cost you attention span at a critical moment in the playoffs. It's an interesting thought. I'm not overly worried about it. Um, I think I just want the best guy for the job at the time. Here's the, here's the big thing for me. I think you got two things going for you here, Joe, that I would, this would be my counterpoint is that one, I think D'Amico Ryans is a serious planner. In other words, I think D'Amico Ryans has a long list of guys that he knows of to go to if, Bobby Slowick were to have left. I think if Bobby Slowick and Gerard Johnson both were to have left this coaching cycle, um, I think D'Amico would have had somebody, one or two people in mind ready to go that he felt was capable. And he hired those two guys. And 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 I, I think there is something to hiring in any walk of life, not just coaching, but in business. Hiring is a skill. And I think early on we've seen D'Amico Ryan has a pretty good, a pretty good inkling for what makes for a good assistant coach. I thought this staff does, did a nice job of developing guys this year. That's number one. Number two, I, I think you have a quarterback who, if there's a if there's a line that you would draw and you say guys above this line, um, you know, the guy the guys above this line are uh not I don't want to say 
churn proof. But I think CJ is of an acumen and a demeanor where that type of churn at OC, I think is going to have less of an effect on him than it would on most quarterbacks. I think he's very mature and I think he's very smart. And I think he's, he's trending more towards being a, an extension of an OC on the field right now than he is somebody who must have some sort of hardcore mentorship in, in, uh, to get the best out of him. So that, that's my feeling on that. All right, a few more here. Um, this is from Matthew Kosecki, loyal listener. He said, I'm very excited to see what the future of the Utopia podcast looks like. I really hope it's not ending. I believe there are lots of people who listen and plenty to make it worth doing a few times per week. Um, I love doing the podcast. Um, I, I will say this, that we are um, looking at bringing in another co-host here. It's not, I don't think it's going to be a solo thing forever. I think we're probably just mucking through this here for a few episodes because I'm in Vegas, haven't had a chance to vet some folks that are that are wanting to do this, that have the time to do it, most importantly. When you say make it worth doing a few times per week, that's a big thing. It's got to be worth doing for everybody involved. Um, so that's a big thing. I do appreciate the comments. I, there are more and more people listening. I know that our numbers have gotten better and better um, as the Texans have gotten better and better and probably as the podcast got better and better too. Um, and James has been a big help with that, our producer, in terms of getting out the video snippets and things like that. That's been a huge, huge help. So the podcast is going to be here. It's not ending, um, but what it's going to look like and sound like moving forward is still kind of a work in progress. So appreciate everybody's patience. Hopefully you're enjoying me just chatting and talking about that, talking about things um, here until we uh, get that all figured out. Two more. Again, mailbag at gmail.com if you want to email. Um, Mark sends this in. I feel like we've gotten this question before. Um, Texans are nominated for four awards at the honors. Who's Who do you think is getting awards? Um, what's the over or under total? I feel like we've answered this one on like five straight mailbags um but we get new listeners all the time so i'll answer it again cj stroud will anderson D'Amico ryan's bobby slowick all nominated for awards offensive defensive rookie of the year for stroud and will coach of the year for D'Amico, assistant coach of the year for slowick i think they win one i think cj wins his i think will finishes second i think D'Amico finishes second and i think bobby slowick finishes fourth or fifth for assistant coach of the year i think bobby slowick merely making the five finalists i think is a huge huge feather in his cap. Last one, and this is one in the spirit of the Super Bowl. I probably could have done this one early in the podcast, looking at the Super Bowl through a Texans lens, but I love stuff like this. Nolan C says, I guess they have 10 players in the head coach with risers on opening night at the Super Bowl. And that is true. What the risers he's talking about are like those podiums. You see some of the players you see, Mahomes, Kelsey, Kittle, Brock Purdy, the big names, they have podiums, you know, and they're above the crowd because they draw such big crowds for their sessions every other player you can just go grab they're walking the floor and you can grab them and go talk to them but the big names have risers so it's 10 players from each team and the head coach assuming uh assuming the texans made the super bowl this year who would the texans 10 players be that would get risers and opening night i love stuff like this so basically who are the 10 most relevant houston texans in a in an opening night setting a media a media session setting and I think we're assuming it's the version of the Texans that um, that would have made the Super Bowl, which means you got a few guys injured. Like I think, I think like Jimmy Ward and Tank Dell for sure would have been two of them, and maybe even Titus Howard. But I think it's only healthy players that do media at the Super Bowl, guys that are going to play in the game. So let's look. Let's attack it from that. If they had made it this year, um, I think the no-brainers are their three Pro Bowlers: C.J. Stroud, obviously. Will Anderson, no-brainer. Laramie Tunsil, no-brainer. Those three would make it. I think the highly li- I think there's four that are highly likely. 
Um, Stingley, I like highly likely to the extent that they're probably no brainers as well. Stingley would be one, even though Stingley is very, very dull in a media setting. Grenard would be one for sure. Jonathan Grenard. I think Dalton Schultz and Nico Collins as well. So I think those four are almost practically no brainers. Um, so you got three left. And I think among the three left, I think the team would like to think Jalen Petrie would be one that they, I think the team would actually make Jalen Petrie one, even though he's, he's had a bad year. Um, they view him as one of the faces of the team. If you ever walk into the stadium, there's Jalen Petrie posters and, and, and big murals and things like that. Not just him. There's other guys too, obviously, but he's one of the guys that they really market front and center. Some of that has to do with him being from here or from Houston, I should say. Um, so I think Jalen Petrie would be one. I don't know it would be deserved, but I think he would be one. And then I think the other two come from some combination of Malik Collins, Sheldon Rankins, Shaq Mason, Devin Singletary, and Christian Harris. And I would say there's two left. We've already got an offensive lineman there. I, we need one of the two interior D linemen, especially because that's D'Amico's baby is the D line. So let's go Sheldon Rankins. And then we've got one left and I'm going to go, I'm going to go Devin Singletary leading rusher on the team. Not a great interview, but I'm going to go him. Shaq Mason, Christian Harris, you're also receiving votes. And actually, um, I would replace any of those last few guys I just named with Damian Pierce just to hear him talk. Damian Pierce played zero offensive snaps in the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken, maybe a couple snaps. Damian Pierce should be doing a podium anytime he can, anytime. He's that good. So but that's how I would structure that. I love questions like that, though. Appreciate you, Nolan, on that. All right. Um, we are done. We're out of time. I got to go play blackjack. All right. I got to get some stuff done and then go play blackjack and go eat some Italian food tonight. I'm going to be back on Thursday doing this podcast, likely solo again on Thursday, but should have a lot more good stuff here from Las Vegas. In the meantime, if you, um, if you want to send an email, HOU mailbag at gmail.com, you can send those in and we'll continue to do, um, mailbag episodes here on the podcast. So for my producer, James Jackson, I am Sean Pendergast. We're out of time. Click that subscribe button. Always appreciate that. Appreciate you guys sticking with the Utopia Football Podcast. We'll see you live from Vegas later this week.